0: Macro Podcast, number 433 for November 11th, 2014, brought to you by Harry's Start Shaving Better Today and Zero Beautiful Accounting Software. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and with me, of course, is Susie Oaks. Hey, Susie. Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's going well. You doing all right? Yes. Good. Excellent. Um, today, we want to start out with the big news of Monday, which is the president came out in favor of net neutrality. This is an announcement he made. There's a YouTube video to go along with it. Um, There's a decision pending about what the FCC is going to do about net neutrality. And the gist is this. And I I read a nice piece in the New York Times that, that put it pretty succinctly. There are basically two views on this. One is that you can treat the internet much like you treat the power company and regulate it that way. Or you can treat it more like a cable company. So in the first instance, in a power company, you flip on a switch and your power is just there. Your power doesn't care what it powers, whether it's going to power your toaster or your Xbox or your computer or your ventilator or whatever it is. It doesn't care. It's just coming to your home. And that's the idea behind net neutrality, that none of any the signal coming to your house is going to be determined what is worth more than another thing. It's just simply all coming. The cable model is more like, um, no, we want to be able to prioritize net traffic. So this net traffic for you to get your news or be able to get in touch with your doctor is very high priority, and you want to be able to get that stuff. But if you're going to pay for entertainment, like streaming, that we should be able to charge more because this is more of a frivolous thing. So it comes down to really, is the internet now a utility Or is it something that doesn't measure up to that? Um, Just, so basically what's your feeling? Do you think it's kind of uh, luxury or less so? No,
1: I think the internet is a utility and the people who use it, I mean, yeah, like we're using it as a utility and, I think that they need to come up with different, you know, schemes to monetize that. Like your example of the electric company, they can charge more during peak hours. And, you know, the Internet companies can charge, they can put bandwidth caps on and they can charge you more for that. But as far as prioritizing, like, one source of, you know, information over the other, that's really scary and not something that the companies should be able to do. Right. And
0: that's basically what the president's saying about this now this has become political because everything does Mm -hmm. and so the president on one hand says he's for it ted cruz the senator from texas said no this is obamacare for the internet um which is silly yeah i think
1: I mean, that, that's just totally a code word to his supporters to say, like, I don't like this, and we're just going to slap a word on it because, no you know, people don't understand what net neutrality is. So I think that's just trying to demonize um, people's lack, you know, tr- trying to, to demonize the, the term because people don't really get what it is. And that's, you know, a nice quippy soundbite you can throw on there, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, and
0: it's... Before we, you send out a bunch of messages, dear listener, about how we're getting political, mm-hmm. understand that this isn't really a left and right issue as much. I mean, yes, there's there's certainly people like Ted Cruz uh, who are free market people, who believe that the market should determine all these things and that government should stay out of any kind of regulation whatsoever. And I, I understand that. I don't agree with it, but I understand what their point of view is. But understand that representatives that we have elected, they're all dirty. Um, Comcast has spent at least this year, $11 million in lobbying efforts. And it isn't just going to Republicans. It's going to Republicans and Democrats alike, depending on where they sit on committees. So if you're on the Judiciary Committee, you're getting money from Comcast and AT&T and the others because they want mergers to go through and they want to defeat net neutrality. They want to be able to have these fast lanes and slow lanes because they make more money that way. Mm -hmm so part of it is just simply looking at who's paying and who's receiving and what kind of decisions are being made so if you can't trust your elected representatives because basically they're on the take who are you going to trust for this now there are people who, who don't care for the president or democrats or whatever but i think he's in the unique position that he's leaving office his stake in the game is what he's not making money on this I think he's really looking after kind of the common user who wants to go back to what we had before this court ruling came out uh, about a year and a half ago, which is we did have net neutrality. It's just that a court said, no, the FCC is not able to determine that unless it classifies the Internet as a utility under Title II. And that's what Obama pushing for. Reclassify as Title II so it becomes a utility, not determine pricing. He said specifically, this isn't about the government saying this is how much you can charge but rather just no slow lanes no fast lanes to me that seems very reasonable as somebody who uses the internet a lot versus the isps who don't want this to happen for what reason i have to think that comcast isn't necessarily looking out for our interest but rather they want to make money on it and i i get it they're in the business to do that but they're not in the business to look out for me so much
1: yeah, and their shareholders know. I mean, there's a thing in the article I'm looking at now that says that the shares of Comcast fell 3.75 um, percent following the announcement. So, yeah, I mean, f- treating all the internet the same is is seen as bad by Comcast's invent- investors, and that's not good for people who use the internet, um, especially since. Um, these ISPs, a lot of places, you don't have a ton of choice. Right. So if you don't have choice, in, you know, I can't just say, okay, well, forget that. I'm going to go to a different internet provider that is more reasonable about these things. Um, I, I don't have a lot of options. So I think you know, not regulating how much they can charge, but regulating, yeah, you're a utility. You have to act like a utility. I think is totally reasonable, no matter yeah. which side of the political spectrum you're on
0: right and that, and that's why i think it's interesting that people are making this into be a political issue because i don't really think it is um but it's it's red meat right for the crowd so yeah. it's very easy to, to gin up your base by saying no no this is a liberal issue or no this is a conservative issue and try to get people to influence tom wheeler who's the guy who's in charge of the fcc who ultimately makes this decision right. now his choice is interesting as well right
1: yeah he's actually an Obama appointee, and before this he was um he was a lobbyist so you know um so it's interesting that um that Obama put him in charge and gave him all this power when really you know a lot of people think that he's kind of in the pockets of these isps
0: yeah he's at this point he's been kind of saying the right thing sort of, but you can see he's really being dragged into this reluctantly mm-hmm. that when they asked for comment, they extended the comments, extended the comments. And I think a lot of the comments are probably net neutrality. Yes, please. Um, he said, well, OK, so maybe fast lane, slow lane, not so good. But maybe if we make a modified sort of version of fast. So you could see these dragging his heels, please, I don't want to make this title, too. He doesn't really want to do that. But I think ultimately that's the way to make sure that this happens. Otherwise, if you leave this up to regulation from the SEC, where they kind of say, well, yes, but no and we'll keep an eye on things then it isn't really you don't have the force of law and also who is going to you know depending on which administration you've got are they going to be tougher on the isps or are they going to be more lax depending on what their per- political persuasions are or how much money they've gotten from them i think ultimately it has to be like this is the way it is yes it's a power company or no it's not a power company And then we move on from there. And obviously, I'd like to see it be more like a power company and and
1: not the other way around. Yeah, me too.
0: Okay, so um, political off now. And (laughs) on to an ad, yay. And this uh, is brought to you by Harry's, which is a way that you can start shaving better today. So this one goes out to the 12-year-old boys out there who are thinking, man, I can hardly wait to shave because it looks so cool. And it turns out that it's not. Uh, Take it from a voice of experience. (laughs) Shaving is not cool. As a matter of fact, it's a pain. It is uncomfortable. It causes nicks. It causes scrapes. And it causes razor burn. And maybe the worst part is that razor blades today are incredibly expensive. So what to do about it? Well, you could just grow your hair out and, you know, look like a major league baseball player with a big beard. Or you could actually look more attractive by cutting all that off and talking to our friends at Harry's. Harry's was started by two guys who wanted a better product without paying an arm and a leg to get it. And they make their own blades. They were traveling around Germany, and they happened to stop by this factory that makes razor blades. And they liked the blades so much that they bought the factory to get high-quality, high-performing blades that are crafted by shaving experts. And apparently there are such people, at least in Germany. Plus... There are no pesky plexiglass cabinets to unlock like when you go to the store to get your blades. They're delivered right to your door. They're about half the price of the other big branded blades. They ship for free, and as I said, they come to your door. The starter kit is an amazing deal for $15. You get a razor, moisturizing cream, and three razor blades. And why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades when it's half the price at Harry's? And with Harry's, you're going to get a better shave that respects your face and your wallet, and you get no more low-quality blades. On average, an everyday shaver saves $150 each year on blades using Harry's. Now, Harry's was nice enough to send me a razor and a couple of blades, along with the moisturizing cream. And I've been using it for a few weeks, and I really like it. I have the kind of face and the kind of disposition where I want to shave really fast and invariably I end up cutting myself. And so I put Harry's to the test by shaving really fast and not being very careful about it, and I didn't get a single nick or cut. It was a really smooth shave. And I have to say that my wife likes the smell of the shaving cream, and and so do I. So here's what you can do. You can experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. So go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in our coupon code MACWORLD with your first purchase. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the coupon code MACWORLD at checkout for $5 off. And start shaving better today. Okay, so there's another thing that may get our (laughs) listeners' head up. And uh, this is about Microsoft. Microsoft. And Microsoft has, last week, released free Office apps for iOS and Android. And unlike previous versions, they actually have features built into them rather than just the ability to look at Office documents. So you like this idea? Do you care? Do you use Office?
1: Yeah, this is kind of a big deal. Um, We were talking last week a little bit about Office and I was saying the beauty of, you know, working on the Internet for me right now is that I don't use Office as much as I used to. And maybe that's a trend for more people than just me because Microsoft was like, look, you don't have to do everything in text files. Like we will open up Office to get, you know, to keep people using it. And the, the previous apps required an Office 365 subscription to do much beyond just you know viewing files. But now you can create and edit files, um, share them, send them around, And it doesn't matter if you're an Office 365 subscriber. We have an article up kind of uh, going over what what the difference is, like what you get being an Office 365 subscriber. But um, yeah, there's a lot that you can do just free for everybody so so yeah that's a that's a big move by microsoft
0: i wish this was something they'd done initially out of the gate Mm -hmm. when they released the ipad apps they're very pretty i mean they're really nice apps and um i've kind of given up on picking on microsoft because it just seems like that was so 2000 but the apps are good but they really were hobbled. So people go, oh, good, I can use these things. And they get them, and they go, oh, but you mean I have to, uh, okay. So it just mm-hmm. seemed like a come on for Office 365. I think the move to make it a reasonable uh, app now where you can do kind of the basic stuff. But if, you, if in Word, for example, you want to do things like track changes, you have to have, you have to pay for the subscription, which I think is reasonable. Right. It makes, so it's a good text editor, Excel, you know, good basic spreadsheets, and, unless you're willing to pay. And we do have Office 365 at our organization, so we do get the full boat apps, and they're really, really good. Yeah. If you need to work in Office, and a lot of Mac users have given it up, they've gone to iWork, but let's not forget that the majority of iOS owners are also using Windows. And for them, this is a huge deal because that's where they live in a lot of cases.
1: It is a big deal. And um, when, when you're using iWork, I mean, sometimes, I- there's probably fewer whole organizations that are, you know use native right. iwork and a lot of mac users and ios users might be using iwork kind of as a workaround you know open and edit because it works with microsoft office formats so you know you get a, a doc from someone you open it edit it send it back you can do all that in pages apple's made those free so now, it's kind of, you, don't, you know, you don't have to sort of go outside Office to, to work with, an or, you know, in an organization that's still using Office. So, yeah, it's great if um, you want to get more, you know, worked done on your iPad.
0: Yeah, and I think this is in line with what Microsoft's new strategy is under their new CEO. He's talked a lot about Microsoft now being a cloud service organization as part of their core business, that mm-hmm. in the past it was Office and it was their operating windows and he's really said okay you know we can't rely just on those things that, was, that happened during the balmer days and look what happened so he's really expanding out into the cloud more and i think this is a really good move unlike the bill gates system of old where they said no we're not going to let our kids use any apple products we're going to force them to use this stuff Finally embracing iOS, it's like, yeah, there are a bunch of these devices out there. You should play in this space rather than trying to sell your tablets or your your phones or whatever. Of course you want to sell that stuff. But at the same time, don't turn your back on iOS because it's far too powerful now for you to ignore. And the same idea with Android, that the Windows operating system on mobile devices is in third place. Maybe it'll make a comeback. I'm not so sure. But at least cover your bets and and make sure that people using iOS and Android have a good feeling about the stuff that you make. Because again, I am impressed with the Microsoft stuff and I feel pretty good about this. And I'm glad that they've made this, uh, this change in direction.
1: Yeah, you mentioned cloud. Um, one of the announcements on this is that they're integrating with Dropbox. So, now it's kind of Microsoft al- has always been better about cloud than, than Apple has. One of Apple's weaknesses is just, you know, they're not as great at cloud and syncing. When it all works, it's great, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work and then woe to you because it's so hard to find out why it's not working and get it to behave again. So, yeah, if you have, uh, you know, the choice to to use Microsoft and Dropbox, on your iPad to get your work done, like that's automatic. That's you know starting to look a little more attractive, at least to me, um, than you know iCloud Drive and 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 iWork because it, it might work and it'll probably work, but if it doesn't, it's just a big old mess.
0: Yeah, I I understand what Apple does. I mean, they like to bake stuff in house, and they mm-hmm. think this is the best way to do it, and. When you see the features, they all look really great. I mean, the whole integration thing, iCloud Drive looks good. Um, the way you can send large attachments through mail, that all looks good until such point that it doesn't work. And then you say, oh, yeah, well, it looks good in the demo. And when it works, it's great. But when it doesn't, then you kind of gur and, and shake your fists at it, which leads me to the next thing I wanted to discuss. You have an iPhone 6, yes? Yes. How's it behaving for you?
1: It's been really good yeah, yeah I haven't had any problems with it well okay there's a couple things um, okay. when you know when you do the Jiggly app thing to try to delete them mm-hmm. you press X on an app to delete it and just nothing happens for a while so there, there's this weird lag and then like a good 30 seconds later it's like oh did you want to delete that app so that's the big bug I'm having with it right now that's probably it might be you know an 8.1 thing other people on Twitter said they're seeing it too so but the iPhone itself like yeah it's been great and I really like it
0: Okay, because with 8 and 8.1, I've had this thing with multi-touch gestures on my iPad, and it works for a while, and then it just stops working. So I do this, the pinch, the big pinch to close and go back to the home screen, and it doesn't work. So I go back into settings, I go into multi-touch gestures, turn them off, turn them on, and then it starts working again. And it's good Mm. until such point that I do something that makes it break, and then I go back and reset it again. And this is the same on two iPads. So there's something going on here, and I've heard a little bit about it as well. But generally what I wanted to talk about is that there are people using iPhone 6s who are having syncing problems, and now we've got Yosemite with people having Wi-Fi issues. And the question is... With Apple being under such pressure to release things in the fall and do an iOS or do an OS and an iOS release once a year, are maybe they getting a little ahead of themselves? So that when we get these point zero releases, they're kind of flaky.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the iOS eight fe- felt a little more beta. I think just because you know it was like oh iOS eight's live, but not HealthKit yet, and um, you know. The, not Apple Pay yet, and just different things. So yeah, it felt a little piecemeal this time. And it's tough because it's such a tall order, especially with iOS and OS ten relying so much on each other. You want them to come out. I mean, it'd be ideal if they came out the exact same day, but you know, who could pull that off? That would be such a huge job. So, but yeah, you know, we had to wait a little bit for handoff to really work and wait a little bit for iCloud Drive to be use, useful. So yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's time for Apple to do a reset next year, where basically what they did when they moved to, uh, I think it was Mountain Lion, Uh, oh no, no, Snow Leopard, sorry, basically, so it went from iterations of os 10 where it was like new features new features new features new features new features and then they got to snow leopard and they said no new features we're going to fix a bunch of stuff under the hood uh we got like three new things in here but they're not really that interesting but hey we're going to charge 29 bucks instead of 129 and we're going to take the time to just make stuff work and then we're going to go from there and i'm kind of thinking you know instead of coming up next year with os 10 bakersfield and uh ios 9 that and they could do this but maybe the message then is like you know we've got so much stuff going on here and we really want to make this cloud experience seamless and we want to make sure stuff works really well and continuity is going to work and it's just going to be an awesome experience and our the demos where you went ooh that's so cool are actually going to be reality instead of hey look we made it work today and it should work for most people but maybe it won't work for you because of whatever Yes, or does that just seem crazy? Like, no, people want new features and they'll fix it. You know, six months in.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think you know Yosemite S would could be oh, yeah, really cool. good. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I mean they kind of did that with Leopard to Snow Leopard and add a lot and Lion to Mountain Lion. It was kind of like a second crack at you know Leopard and and a second crack at Lion, and yeah, those those worked really well. Yeah, they could call it Tuolumne Meadows, <laughs>
0: except anybody who's never been to Yosemite would have no idea how to pronounce it. they go, what is yeah. that? Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, it's a beautiful place within Yosemite National Park. It's up way up in the hills there, and it's very pretty.
1: Yeah, my friends over in England had, had to confirm the pronunciation of Yosemite. They, like, they wanted to call it Yosemite? Yeah, they were like, it's not Yosemite, is it? And I'm like, no, no, no. But actually, yeah, I, sh- I should have told them it was, so they'd be walking around and saying it <laughs> <they're> wrong. <laughs>
0: Well, the Australians say, "Oh no, it's like Vegemite." So yeah, Vegemite. Like mite Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I I have been seeing increasing numbers of tweets and from people who are kind of throwing up their hands, and we've gotten to an update for both uh, iOS and, and Yosemite, and going, "You know, this still doesn't work." And it just and it's just little funny, weird stuff that kind of works and, and doesn't quite work, like handoff and. And some of the things i as much as I admire the technologies that are built in, it just seems like this wasn't as carefully crafted as it as it should have been and i I kind of get the trend of this in that Google has been releasing beta stuff forever, but I kind of hate to see Apple. Who's known for it's, it just works stuff, come out with stuff that it doesn't just work. You have to futz with it for a while and then get into just sort of this mindset where like, yeah, okay, the new thing's out. I'll wait a couple Mm -hmm. of months until two more updates come out. And then I know I'm going to get a solid operating system.
1: Yeah, we saw that with iOS 8. I mean, the adoption was slower. Part of that was because it needed so much space if you were updating over the air. But then, yeah, when the iPads came out and Apple had that event, they put up a slide that's like, look at all these people that are running iOS 7 and 8. And then, you know, said mm-hmm. uh, 90-some percent have a OS that we released in the last year. So it was they, they had to kind of count two because yeah. iOS 8 was a little bit slow out of the gate because, yeah, I mean your your iPhone, I mean, that that can't be messing up all the time. Like that's your that's your lifeline to everything.
0: Yeah. And then when we're gonna introduce the i, no, I keep calling it, i watch. sorry, Apple Watch. <laughs> uh that's another element in there. So that introduces another layer of complexity. Yeah. Now it has to communicate and so everything's gotta work with that. And so maybe that's one reason they're gonna wait until the spring to release this if indeed that's you know that's the rumor. Yeah. Uh, to make sure it really works well, because I think when you're going to have a new product category like that, boy, it better work first. <laughs> first thing out of the box.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's so tied to iOS, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's got to work really, really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I hope that the iPhone six stuff is not hardware related. Some people have suggested that they're putting some new chips in, into the ones they're making now because maybe there was something a little funky with the other ones. So hmm. that would be a, a bad thing. Okay, uh, we have one more thing to talk about, but before we do, let's hear about Xero, which is beautiful accounting software. Xero, spelled X-E-R-O, is the online accounting software and platform for your small business. With Zero, it doesn't matter if your small business is brick and mortar or online. And that's because Xero was born in the cloud and built in the cloud. This means that you can manage your accounting anytime, anywhere, from your Mac, PC, iOS, or Android device. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at zerocom slash podcast to manage your invoicing and get paid faster, get an instant view of your cash flow, track your expenses on the go, and manage all of your financial reports. You can even collaborate with your accountant or bookkeeper in real time whenever you like. Xero seamlessly integrates with over 350 best-in-class business tools to process mobile payments, manage payroll, run your back office, and much more. It's no wonder over 370,000 customers in more than 180 countries use Xero. And you can, too. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zerocom slash podcasts. That's Xero.com slash podcasts. Podcasts. And not only that, Zero randomly selects five people a month who have signed up to receive a mystery box of goodies called Zero Plus from a company that already swears by Zero. Zero. Beautiful accounting software. And last up, at least on my list, is um Apple has finally provided a way for us to get out of what is known as iMessage Purgatory.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, this was the, the, you know, the just desserts you got from uh, having an iPhone and then later switching to Android. If your phone number was registered to your iMessage account and you didn't think to go in before you got rid of your iPhone and turn off iMessages on that phone number, then later on when your friends, especially friends with iPhones, tried to send a text to your phone number, which is now your Android phone, it would instead go to your iMessage account, but you didn't have any devices registered to that iMessage account, so it would just kind of bounce around in the iMessage ether and not get to you. I've had this happen with several friends, and it's the most frustrating thing ever. Um, I have to remember to tell my iPhone to send, you know, them a message as a text, but first, you know, my iPhone says, "No, no, that's an iMessage number, and it wants to send an iMessage." So if I don't remember, then my friends just think that I didn't text them back. And it's, it's led to all kinds of problems. So it's, I'm really, really happy that Apple did this. And we need to raise awareness to everyone who isn't getting text messages because they used to have an iPhone. Now they have an Android. Go do that because it seems like no one ever remembers to do it before they get rid of their phone. And then once you get rid of your phone, there's really no way to do it. So there is now. So what- you, you go to a website and you enter your phone number.
0: Oh, okay, so that's all you have to do. You go to website, enter your phone number, and yeah. it just happens.
1: You enter your phone number that you had ported from your iPhone to your Android phone, um, and then uh, Apple will text you um, a code. And so that will go to your to your Android phone that you hopefully have sitting right there, and then on the same website you enter the code into there, and it will deregister that phone number from, from iMessages for you. Well, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, um, It's been kind of long Expected, I think people were complaining about this in like 2011.
1: Yeah, and they were probably like, "Well, this is a problem for customers that we don't have anymore." So you know, we'll put it on the list and get to it when we get to it. <laughs> I don't know; that's just my guess. But yeah, um, yeah, it's nice. They, yeah. they they do some stuff when you're switching to from Android to iPhone. There's a little guide on Apple. To, help you move over all your contacts and your music and everything. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to throw a bone to those people who were on an iPhone and, and switched out.
0: Yeah, I think that's smart Smart marketing in a lot of ways because people aren't just, you know, if they move to Android, it's not like you've lost that customer forever on other things. they may come back to iPhone, they may be using uh, iPad because they prefer that to an Android tablet or a Mac, or may, they, maybe they'll get a watch and then they'll buy another iPhone because they have to get it to get a watch. So. I think showing that sort of respect to your customers, like, yeah, oh, oh, you want to leave? Okay, let's make this easier for you so that, you know, making the switch doesn't cause you to lose text messages. Yeah. I would like to see something like that for iTunes as well. I know that you can reset your authorizations once a year. I would love to see that happen more often because... I'm constantly authorizing things with iTunes, but again, because I'm using lots of different computers because of my job. But um, to be able to, you know, just say, no, wipe everything because I don't know where that computer is anymore. Maybe I shipped it back to somebody and I forgot to deauthorize it. And so instead, I've used up all my authorization and said, no, you can't do that until, you know, 2015 sometime. Yeah. Um, although I understand you can email Apple if you really are in a bind and say, this is what happened. You explain it to them and very, be very polite and say, please, and they'll, they'll do it for you. But to automatically do that, just go into your settings would be much easier. So add that to the list, please, Apple. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it. Kind of a slow week in, in ways, other than net neutrality, which I think is huge. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next weeks and months and see who wins hope it's us
1: yeah i hope we win yeah
0: okay go team all right and that wraps up another episode of the macworld podcast brought to you by harry's start shaving better today and zero beautiful accounting software
1: thanks Susie. thanks chris